Hello and welcome to the Prost International Rally First Cricket Podcast with me, Tom Mason, Alistair Marrick and Ben Pennells. Throughout the podcast, we were going over England's performance in India in the second test in which they tasted a heavy defeat. And also taking a look to the third test, the day and night test, taking in place next week. Firstly, Ben, Alistair, how are you doing, lads? I'm really good, thank you. Yourselves? Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, really looking forward to the cricket, especially after the way the first two results have gone. Set the series up really nicely. Yeah, the, the cricket so far has been interesting and it's going to be quite interesting to see what happens for the rest of the tests. That's really good. So let's talk about the, the team selection and sort of where we think England went wrong in that last match. I'll, I'll begin if you'd like. Uh, so, right, looking back on it now, you've got to say we probably made a slight error with the selection. We didn't know that at the toss at the start. Nobody had any idea that the pitch was going to play how it did. It turned into a raging bunts and burner by the end of day one, session one. So really, we should have gone in with three spinners. But that wasn't to be known at the start. So we chose to go in with the pace that we did, going in with three seamers. Because you have to class Ben Stokes as one, given the fact that how many test wickets has he got? And he's just a genuine first-class all-rounder. So he should have been counted as one. So we're going in technically with three and two. So three seamers, two spinners spinners really we should have reversed that and probably given someone kept like Ben Donbess in the squad but unfortunately we chose to go the other route and it hasn't paid off yeah I think the team section this this test wasn't I think up to its normal standards for what we expect for a test match but again England had a few a, a few a few injuries and the players that they wanted to bring bring in I, I think Mo and Ali one of the um, players who came into that squad hadn't played test cricket since for England since the Ashes in 2019 and he, he obviously I thought it was a bit, a bit of a risk having him in who hadn't played played the full five-day game for a while and maybe there was a few other risks there that obviously hadn't paid off from players with players such as Don Best missing who, who were standout performers in the last match you, you would have to think that England probably could have been a bit better if they had one or two of their full players that were missing Yes, yeah I have to say Best was left out of the, fir- of the second test off the back of the first on the basis that in the second innings he didn't provide any real control with the ball which is what his role in the team is you've got Jack Leach who is more of a, the attacking spinner so he, whereby he's looking for the overspin and to, to get it in that spot and keep it there and keep the pressure on whereas Bess is more of the container bowler he didn't manage to do that at all in that first in the first test first innings he did perfect taking four for 76 but in the second innings he didn't really offer any sort of control and as a result the Indians got on top of him hit him at over four and over I think he went for eight overs for 50 and on a turn in track that should have been the time that Joe Root calls in his spinner but he didn't he sort of lost a little bit of faith in Bess so that's why he got left out Moeen Ali came in and unfortunately the, the spin in the first innings was what let us down and we let India get away because we just were not consistent enough. Yeah, I completely agree with both of that. But do you feel how important do you think the toss was? Do you think that was like a big part of India winning? Absolutely. I think the toss was absolutely pivotal in that it was it was a game of whoever was going to bat first and whoever could bat the longest. Now, as everyone knows with cricket, the first, best the best the pitch ever is is on that first morning. And Rohit Sharma showed how facing the England spinners and how he was able to grasp control on them and never give them a chance to settle that it was the perfect time to go out there and bat. We won the toss on the first game and we showed that to perfection. And Sharma did the same for India in this one. The pitch was pretty much a sand pit and England really failed to grasp control on that first morning. If, if Like I say, if we had been a bit more consistent with the ball in the first morning, it may have been a 
completely different test but it just so happened that Sharma batted superbly and uh, took the game away from us from uh, the first day yeah about that, ben, do you think England's bowling could have been a bit better or do you think they were just undone by something I know about like you say by Sharma and others lower down the order in the first inning I think, I think it was a, a bit of a mix of the both actually I think that obviously the, the, the bowling from the bowling from England wasn't particularly brilliant throughout the whole of the test and there was obviously there was obviously times when England came we're looking strong but but, but just fell apart in, in both the batting and the bowling stage and I think the toss helped because obviously like in day one they went for the full day with hardly losing any wickets going forward and coming back out onto that I think that maybe that's something they need to look at for the next tests in in about eight days time yeah what do you think Alistair do you think we didn't bowl, didn't bowl well enough or was it a bit of India good plan yeah I, I think it was similar to what Ben said a bit of both but I do have to say that I feel the bit that really let us down was we sort of lost control of the game from the very start. If we'd kept India run to, to a score of around 250, which looking back in hindsight, and I know hindsight's a wonderful thing, but that was more towards sort of the, the, the pass score. We let India run away with it, mm. so we were always chasing the game. Now, I know that's odd saying the pass score was 100 more than England managed to score in either innings, but we'd have been batting sooner in better, more favourable conditions earlier, and it would have just brought the game along it towards England slightly better um, yes yeah, so so it was the fact that we, we let the game get away with the ball and then we never really managed to exert any control with the bat following and in the end we, we got we got hammered it was uh, you have to also say though it was great batting by um, but by Ashwin in the second inning Sharma in the first ably supported by Kohli and uh, yeah they, they, they were superb yeah, I echo what about the batting. I think particularly, like you say, the first India, they got way too many more middle. They've been, like you say, three, two, three, two, something like that at, at most. And if it is that, then it's a completely different game. Obviously, we probably don't still win, but we yeah. still lose. But it's a lot more challenging for that. It's about a few sort of players who sort of stood here. It's actually, most maybe Axel Dow, I think you worked him, obviously, made his debut with the Indians. He bowled really well on that final day. He, oh, I say final day, on the fourth day. He bowled superbly and he picked up a five, his first ever five for, I believe. He, he he was very commendable for how he, he managed to just sort of take the game away from England and it just every time England seemed to get anyone at the crease I know it's it's odd saying that considering we're all out for 40, 146 or whatever it was and Moeen Ali at 48 of them at the end uh, having a slog yeah. with uh, Stuart Broad but he just exerted his, his dominance and we never got in that we never even touched the run chase at all I think the break will really help us and the fact that there's eight days now in between the next test Ben what do you think do you reckon the fact that we've got now eight days between a sand sand pit of a ground, but in Chennai to Ahmedabad now, the fact that we're going in to use a pink ball now, it's going to be a day-night test as well, starting at 9am instead of 4am. What do you reckon? Do you think that brings it back into into um, England's favour at all? It probably, I think it might it might do, yeah. I think the fact that probably playing obviously day night test, it'll be a bit more cooler weather that obviously England are used to in the summer months over here when we have the heat, the summer heat. And I think play playing obviously for the for us fans watching the match, it would be a bit more nicer to have it at a normal controlled time. But for 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 England players themselves, that the game's probably for them it's it's one of the most important because it'll be almost as close to nearly playing at home as they can get. I think with the day-night test. I, I agree. I, I suppose the thing to also remember from England's advantage point is the fact that with the break, it allows England a bit more room for manoeuvre because 
you have to remember, we've just come from a game where we've been battered, basically batting in a sandpit, where spin is not our pro, not our um, dominance in any way, shape or form over an Indian attack. But now we're able to have that bit of a break. We've recalled a few players. So we've got Johnny Bairstow coming back. Zach Crawley should be fit. And um, we have, though, lost Moeen Ali. So that opens up an avenue for England to try different tactics. The thing to really remember is here, we're now going into conditions that should be more favourable for the likes of Stuart Broad and Jimmy Anderson. And the last thing you want to do is give Jimmy Anderson favourable conditions, no matter where it is in the world. Because I've got a stat for you guys. If you look at throughout the career of Jimmy Anderson, he has averaged, this was since he turned 30, okay? When usually people say they're reaching the end of their career. Since he turned 30, he has taken 343 test wickets. And that puts him only third in England's highest list of uh, wicket takers ever. And I think that's a phenomenal stat. And it just goes to show how well he's done and how it's going to help England, making it more favourable to ourselves. Yeah, it definitely will. Like Anderson's perfect conditions really will be that test match coming up. Um, I think it's obviously he's fully refreshed. He didn't last game, so it's it's going to be good. And I was going to ask you about the rotation. We're seeing a few more players come back in this for the test. So I touched on Ward back in. But it's going to be interesting to do. What sort of where would you lean with the selection? God, Ben, what do you reckon? Which route do you reckon England should go with the um, with the with the attack for the third test? Oh, the attack. So I'm I'm saying pretty much keep the attack go uh, for uh, for the attack for this uh, test. I reckon England should go down the route of playing potentially their strongest team with with some of the players who are obviously coming back coming back. Um, so so keep the likes of Jimmy Anderson in in their room. And Ben Stokes, and obviously bring it, bring in, bring back the likes of Jof- Joffrey Archer just to help help. But it doesn't. I think in, I think England just need that stability for the game this time around. To I'm, I'm probably go back to the first test team, maybe, maybe with one or two changes, give, give or take, just to get them back up to where they should be to win in the match. I agree. With England's policy with batsmen, it's always a case of they'd rather give them at the minute. And you hear Chris Silverwood and Joe Root say this a lot. They'd rather give players one game too many than one game too few. So I can't see them in the lineup for the next test changing Rory Burns or Dom Sibley opening. Where they might make a change, though, is at number three. Dan Lawrence has sort of been shoehorned into the team in Zach Crawley's absence. And he hasn't done too badly, given it's his first ever experience of real test cricket after the Sri Lanka series. He averaged in, he's he's got some low scores of like 26 and 9 in this last test. But it was more his role of taking up balls in the first innings, which which helped, helped us gain a little bit more score than we would have. So I imagine he might lose his slot. But... Outside of that, I think it'll be the bowling attack that will change because I can't see them changing Root, Stokes, Pope or Folks, which have all been confirmed. Folks has been confirmed. So that'll be seven. So then at eight, nine, ten and eleven, you'll have, I imagine, will go the route, especially with it being a green ball. Uh, sorry, being a uh, pink ball on the day night test. I imagine the pitch is going to be slightly more suited to the seamer. So I'm certain we'll bring in Jimmy Anderson because that's the one test that he's going to be paid for. Um, we'll go the route of another express bowler. So that will either be Archer, Wood or Stone. I, I wouldn't, I can't imagine us keeping Stone in, but I imagine yeah. it'll be between them three. 
So which leaves two spaces. I imagine we'll keep Jack's, Jack Leach as the spinner and we'll either, we'll be a toss up between one of three for that final spot. Do we go in with Stuart Broad and bring in and combine Broad and Anderson again? Do we go for someone like Chris Wokes to lengthen the batting? Or with Moeen Ali leaving, do we bring back Don Bess? But what message does that send straight off the back of dropping him for the, the second test? We backed him for the first. We didn't believe he was good enough for the second, hence the selection of Moeen Ali. But he's now left. Are we going to return straight to Don Best? Has he now suddenly gained that confidence in between in that eight-day period? Or do we go completely different and give one of the untried and tested spinners a go in Matt Parkinson, Amar Verdi, or Mason Crane? Mason Crane's played one test, remember, and that was in Australia uh, at Perth in the um, Jane McGrath test. So he has experience, but that was of one game and uh, he got absolutely towed. So I can't see him going that route. I personally think we'll probably go either broad or best. But that's saying that Wokes is a fair shout. Yeah, you're right there with that. And I, I, I could, I could see, I could see potentially something like that happening. Maybe not with um, just bringing. You, you mentioned not bringing Don Best back in, but but obviously the eight day period could have been the cooling down period we we need. You could have needed, but obviously only time will tell when the lineup officially gets announced in, in the coming days. For what happens when it yeah I think it'll be best as well I don't see any reason why it won't be best obviously he got dropped or rested however you want to put it for the second test um, recently and he's not going to do a lot of bowling in England this summer uh, much more, but he's not going to bowl a lot for obvious reasons we don't bowlers don't do bowl match where the spinners typically England um, he's got a chance to really prove himself and get back to how we know he can bowl. I think it'd be very strange to select one of the likes of D or Crane or Parkinson particularly uh, they have one test camp between them, so I think it would be a huge risk. Maybe if we did every stage where we were heavy up, heavily up in the series, you could do that. But in yeah, a series on the knife edge at one or I don't think you can pick, pick one of them. And the thing to remember as well is you've got the World Test Championships points at stake. England, if we want to get to the final yeah, and play whether it's at Lord or a GS Bowl, most likely against New Zealand, because I think they've already qualified. But if we want to be that team, we've got to win this either 3-1 mm. or 3-0. Now, 3 nils out the equation. So now it's only, the only way we can possibly do that is to win these next two tests. Yeah. And it's obviously going to be a challenge now. Now both teams have won a, won a test match. But I think going forward, I think England will certainly want to now go out and win this to, to get the, to the final and prove everyone what they're actually worth. Absolutely. And years. it gives us a chance, especially with the COVID bubbles and everything at the minute, it gives England a chance to possibly play at home in front of their fans, which hasn't happened in ages and uh, hasn't happened at all, sorry, since 2019 uh, was the last England test with fans there. It, it, was, it, be, it was strange watching a test with with the crowds back, 15,000, I believe there was. Yeah, that sounds yeah. about right. It was, it was it was strange to see to see it after obviously not so long because you see you see every sport's now adapted to not having fans there and it, it, cricket's a bit like football the the crowd make the noise they they they're just as passionate and and watching the the last the first test match without the fans you could certainly see there was nothing there for them the crowd weren't behind them but but with the second test the Indian fans were were making the noise which I thought thought lift sounded better than obviously the blanks the blank atmosphere yeah I, I i just wanted to talk about um the crowd as well do you think that had a massive impact on india winning this test match because obviously they weren't in them for the first i i, I do yes i i think that they are probably the most raucous and fanatical fans in world cricket 
And I think you, mm. whenever you watch the IPL on a match or India during a normal nor, normal year, they are cr- you you just hear it. It's they're they're almost sort of godlike uh, the players there. It's you just need to search any clip of Mahendra Singh Dhoni walking out to even have a net for Chennai Super Kings. And the ground is packed. So whether it's one, 15,000 or 50,000, the Indian fans are going to make it known they're there and who they're supporting. And they really help get momentum on the side of the playing team on the basis that they help build that pressure. Whereas that's one thing that's been lacking with no crowds. You've got the pressure there that's coming from the from the players, but also the whole atmosphere, because the fact that the grounds that are being played have to be COVID secure, it means they can't just be small venues because they have to have the hotels and everything on board. So the grounds are huge, a bit like the Rose Bowl. When it's empty, it's just a vast area. It's a huge site. Whereas when you have um, when you have like in India at the minute now with the crowds there. You can really feel, even though it was only a third full, you could really feel and hear coming through the television the um, momentum and atmosphere building. Long may it continue with fans back. Yeah, I'm just hopeful that we can get fans back to New Zealand and New Zealand test this summer and obviously India coming over as well. So I've got tickets for New Zealand, so hopefully I want to uh, edge back on a couple of days. So that'd be terrific if it can go ahead. And obviously we've got the World Cup later this year. Um, Alistair, I believe you've got some questions and maybe a couple of stats for us. I have indeed. Right, I've got a question for both of you. I want you to tell me, I'll I'll do two for you two, and then I'll do two for the audience and you to think about for next week, Mm. okay? In the first test, what did Jack Leach and Don Best do, which was a world record? Give you a clue, it's to do with the bowling. Ooh, first test, what did they do? That one, Ooh. You are very close. You are very close. Or something like that. Exactly what it was. Right, Jack Leach... In the second innings, how, oh, what was that? In the second innings, bowled twenty-six overs, four for six, four for seventy-six. And in the first innings, Don Best did exactly the same: twenty-six overs, four wickets for seventy-six runs. It's the first time in the history of cricket that uh, a test team has had two oh, wow. identical best bowling figures in each innings from two different people. That's, that's, and, that's, that's ridiculous. Wow. Yeah, I've got another stat for you. Um, what did Ben Folks do that no other cricketer has ever done before? On The clue is on their birthday. Mm. Clue is on the I'm birthday sure. being ben, a take take some take take a few wickets do a stumping. correct do a stumping yes yeah day. yeah yeah keep going he was the first ever keeper to take two stumpings mm-hmm. on his birthday in a test match right i've got two questions now for you to think about and come back for me next week i want you to tell me what these players have got in common stuart broad steve war marvin atapatu mike atherton and daniel vittori what are those five players what's the connection i'll repeat them again so stuart broad steve war marvin atapatu mike atherton and daniel vittori what do they have in common? And then I'll give you the second one now. So we'll let you think about that one for next week. And here we go. The second one, Ravi Ashwin. Okay. He bowled the first ever no ball of his career in the first test. He'd gone 20,614 deliveries without bowling one, except for when he stepped over the line in the 38th over of the first innings when he bowled it to Joe Root in the first test. Now he's no longer the guy with the record leader. The record leader now has 15,349. But your task in next week or next episode is to tell me who that is. Who now holds the record of 15,349 deliveries, never bowling a no ball? That, hmm. That's a couple of really good questions. I'm gonna to have to have a really think about them. So I think. Yeah, same. I that's think we've got yeah, time for it. Thank you, guys, and thank you to Ben and Al for joining. I hope you've enjoyed it. We'll be back next week. 
in the build up to the day night test match in Ahmed, um when hopefully we can know a bit more sort of just going to play and maybe and uh, a bit more fun things. If you had to listen to it on uh, Anchor and all the usual Spotify, YouTube sort of platforms. Thanks for Cheers, guys. Thank you. I'm Ben. See ya. Thank you. See you again.